You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, welcome to Comeback City, where we explore Detroit's past, present, and future. Today, we're going to talk about Hamtramck, a city within the city, with a rich history that continues to evolve. I'm Linda Shepard, and with me today is my co-host, Ed Brohard. Hey, Ed. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? We also have a guest today, Dan Hoy. And Dan Hoy is uh, will be appearing in the musical Cats that is coming uh, to the Fisher Theater in September. Dan, are you there? Hi, how are you? Great. Yeah, before we get into our little um, podcast about Hamtramck, uh, we thought we'd talk to you about cats. And we're super excited about cats coming back to Detroit. It's been a while. And I hear it's kind of a new production, uh, new staging. Is, yes. And um, I know you're one of the performers. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the play. Tell me a little bit about your role. Uh, what is your role in Cats? Great. So I play a cat named Munka Strap. It's a fun little name. Um, he is the the leader in training, kind of, of, of the tribe. He kind of, the, the show takes place on an evening of an event called the Jellicle Ball, which is sort of like Christmas Day for cats, with an added element of uh, they're nominating someone to go to their version of heaven, called the Heaviside Lair. Sort of a play on the whole uh, nine lives thing. And uh, my character's job is to make sure that everything sort of goes off without a hitch. Of course, he fails in many different ways as various cats interrupt the ceremony and, you know, the, the villain of the piece, McCavity, shows up a couple of times. Um, but throughout the evening, you're watching as he kind of... And then within the... Uh, and you had mentioned that this is sort of a, a new imagining of, of cats. Um, you might know a little-known show called Hamilton. Uh, yes. The choreographer of Hamilton, Andy Blankenbuehler, actually choreographed this revival. Wow. Uh, so it's it, it's his work. Um, it's influenced by the original, which was created by Jillian Lynn. Um, so you're going to get all of the same iconic material that you had seen in the original production. Those beautiful songs. But with sort of a new 2019 lens. Oh, that sounds interesting. Um are the is the staging a little bit different too or yeah the so the um the set is the same the set is still the iconic set by uh, John Napier but uh the the direction and the the choreography are almost entirely new um and the uh the other kind of cool element that about this particular production that does sort of elevate it into a new uh, a new age is actually the lighting design. Uh, the lighting design won a Tony Award, uh, and it is it is completely revamped with brand new technology and uh, new elements that have sort of taken this piece and brought it into the 21st century. 
Now, I've seen cats in the past. My co-host, Ad, has never seen No, and and in fact, I'm really looking forward to actually 40 years later going to my first Cats performance this September. Yeah, it's been around for quite a while. I I think everyone is pretty familiar with um, that beautiful song, Memory. Memory, yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's so pretty. Yeah. yeah, I, I'm excited to have you see it for the first time, Ed. I yeah, I am too. I I really am. Uh, I don't know how that happened because I have seen a lot of plays and I do follow theater, but it just never worked it out. Fell through the so, cracks. Yeah, and it's going to be at the Fisher Theater September third through the fifteenth. Um, mm-hmm. And you're a part of the traveling tour, right? Yes. Yeah, we are part of the Broadway National Tour. Oh, okay. And um so Dan did did this produ- this particular production uh with the revisions or the you know the 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 uh, uh the new concept was did that open on Broadway or was this only for a, a, a national tour? It did open on Broadway. So this is actually the uh the 2016 revival production. Okay. Oh. That is now that is now traveling the country. I see. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. How big mm-hmm. is your uh, your your company? You know, as you go on the road, there are in terms of <laughs> uh, in terms of cast on stage every night. <laughs> I believe we have twenty performers on stage every night. But every one in terms of them of the is entire a cat. Traveling. I'm sorry. Everyone is a cat. Everyone is a cat. Everyone. Every is a single cat. person is a cat. <laughs> um, Everyone gets to put on the makeup and the unitards and the whole thing and the the wigs, which are made of yak hair. We always like to make jokes about oh, that. Really? Oh, Putting really? Putting a yak on your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yak it out. But uh, yeah, so there's about 20 performers who travel uh, tw- <clears throat> on stage cast, that is. And then we have uh, these some amazing performers that also travel with us called Swings. Uh, they understudy multiple roles in the show. Okay. Um, and so anytime someone's sick or injured or needs, you know, a night off, swings will go on. So in terms of performers, I think we have about 25 to 30 people traveling. We lot. also travel all of our musicians, our crew. Oh, wow. So there's, we have a really, I mean, all in all, I think it's about 60 people that travel for this production. <clears throat> Big production, yeah. yeah. Hey, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I know you're from the Midwest originally. <laughs> Uh, is mm-hmm. it Ohio? I am. Yes, I'm from uh, around Cleveland originally. Yeah. You know, love love the Midwest, born and raised. Um, and I actually just graduated from college, not uh, about about just about a year ago. Oh, went to a little school out in Cleveland called uh, Baldwin Wallace University. Um, loved loved my time there. And uh, yeah, this is actually my first major contract. Out of oh school. wow. Um. And what's what's really cool about this piece, actually, Cats in particular, this was a show that I grew up with. Um, it was a show that I loved as a kid. Uh, my parents, when I was young, they always like to make this. They always like to laugh about this story. We actually had the uh, VHS tape of the 1998 production of oh. Cats, and I watched it so many times that I actually wore the tape out. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and we uh, they had to buy me the DVD because I was so upset that my that that my tape of cats had worn had been worn down oh so um to have this sort of be a uh, 
jump start for you know the beginning of my career. This probably has been a really this cool is a dream come true. This yeah. is meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it was probably made it easier for you to learn your lines and perform it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, coming in, I already knew all the music. It was uh, which is really cool. Um, and then what was also really fa- a fascinating experience for me. Um, because this is a new production, because there is new choreography, new staging, you got to see all of the ways in which the original influenced the new production. You know, you have a lot of those really iconic moments in the choreography, in the staging that are still intact. Mm -hmm. But then you kind of see this sort of call response between Jillian Lynn's original work and Andy Blankenbuehler's new revitalized choreography. Interesting. What do you think? Uh, the do you think there'll be any uh, uh, kind of bump from uh, all the buzz about the movie that's coming out, the Danny Boyle movie? Yeah, I think so. I think I, what's cool, and I, I get asked this question a lot um, regarding like why do we think Cats is still here? Why is it still <laughs> relevant? Why does it still exist? And I think the beauty is like now, especially with this movie coming back, people are seeing that it is still in popular culture. It is still relevant. The piece is so unique. There's nothing else really like it, uh, especially not in the music theater world. Um, and so I think, yes, with, with this new movie coming out, people are sort of being reminded of what made Cats special in the first place um, in sort of its revolutionary status in musical theater and now sort of jumping into the, the cinematic realm. Um, so, yeah, I think that people are very excited to see the movie. People are very excited when they come out. One of my favorite things is at the end of, you know, a show coming out to the stage door at the end of the night and getting to meet the fans of, mm-hmm. of this piece. Um, and so many of them have said, you know, oh, it's been so long since, since a tour has come through town, since, you know, these things have happened and now they're sort of getting overloaded with it. You know, you're going to get it. You get the national tour, you get the movie coming out. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, you know, public, uh, public excitement has been has been really overwhelming and it you know it's just it's a really cool thing to get to experience being a part of that uh, of that train sure well, that's great we we do want to shout out to Broadway in Detroit who um, yeah has been mm-hmm. so instrumental in, in just bringing wonderful productions to our town oh absolutely I have, a, I have another question for you too how long mm-hmm. does it absolutely. take you to get into makeup because that makeup Ooh. is always amazing <laughs> yeah um, so I am definitely one of the slower people when it comes to putting on my makeup every night. I just, I'm so, you don't have to be crazy detailed if you don't want to be, but it, for, it's for my brain. I like to keep everything in a very exact place and make sure it looks good up close, even though we're a little bit further away. So I usually get to the theater about two hours before curtain. Wow. And I take about, I take about an hour to do That's... to do my makeup before lift call and before warming up. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting in in my dressing room, you know, by myself, listening to some music, kind of just making sure everything is where it needs to be uh, every night. And yeah, it is. It that was one of the biggest hurdles for me, I think, kind of coming into this piece. I've never been very good at makeup, so um, we got we got trained uh, when we when we were in New York rehearsing. And then we do it every night. We do our own makeup every night. Wow. So definitely, you know, I've gotten much better at it um, <laughs> as time has gone on. But I uh, still like to kind of just take my time and make sure that it's, you know, given the best that I can every night. Well, it's part of the exciting thing about the show, I think, is how beautiful the makeup and the costumes are. So it's a big part of the show. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for making time to to talk with us on Comeback City here. And we are both, uh, Ed and I are both looking forward so much to seeing uh, this new production of Cats at the Fisher Theater in September. We're very excited about it. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. That sounds great. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like fun? It does sound. I now I'm I'm more enthused. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. You know, people, you know, think, oh, well, I was ambivalent, you know. I, I mean, know. there must have been a reason why in but, forty years I didn't yeah. see it. <laughs> but uh but now I think, you know, it I and especially with the movie coming out, which I'm sure I'll yeah. see. I you saw know, a trailer I, for I, it. Right, right. And it's very interesting. It does, it does. And yeah. uh so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. It's it'll be it's, good. it's sort of a bucket list thing at yeah. this point that right. I need and to I, do this. I think it you know, I remember taking my kids to it when they were younger. I think it's definitely a family experience, probably both the theatrical and the movie. That's um, a good point. I wish so. my grandchildren were just a little bit older because then I could They'll maybe grow up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, include them in that. Right. So what we're going to talk about, though, today um, is Hamtramck, which uh, is a great little part of Detroit. And, um, you know, in the course of doing some research for today's episode, you know, I did some exploring of the city within a city. Mm-hmm. An enclave. Then enclave. Yes. You know, and I have some personal connection to it because my family is partially Polish. My grandmother was Polish. Mm-hmm. My great-grandmother um, came from Poland. And uh, that has been a big part of the population there historically. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about what we found in Hamtramck. You can start, Ed. Okay. Well, Hamtramck is really almost like no place around here. Now, maybe years ago that wouldn't have been the case. There would be lots of Hamtramcks uh, as far as the, the just the kind of vibe you get from a, an area like this. But uh, it's increasingly rare to have um, a place that's so identified with kind of uh, ethnic development within a big city. Um, completely surrounded. Yeah, completely surrounded. Uh, it touches Highland Park, which is also an enclave. But otherwise, you know, it's surrounded by Detroit. And I must say that despite the fact that, um, you know, th- it's completely contiguous, you really do have a different sense once you cross into Hamtramck. The um, architecture is very different. The right. houses are different. Yeah. The- the little downtown area. Well, and the fact that it's so intact. I mean, it is. you know, you would expect with with all of the problems that the economic problems Detroit went through, particularly with the changes in, in manufacturing and industry, that that would have affected Hamtramck tremendously. And, of course, it did, but not in in the same way that it seems to have affected Detroit and the area around it. Uh, there's a certain identity there in Hamtramck that's still very much intact, even though the population has changed so much. Yeah. So, yeah, you do have a sense, and it's almost kind of a sense that you have in going to areas in Europe or in big towns, big industrial towns like Chicago, where they have very distinct ethnic 
neighborhoods that you can really f- feel. It exudes that. And this is, but this is, it's kind of a city. It's kind of a neighborhood, you know. But mm-hmm. it's definitely a city. It's two square miles. It's in, you know, what do you call it? The north part of the city. Yeah, kind of. I yeah, mean, it's, it is. It's, it doesn't um, go all the way to the edge of the city. But no, it's, you wouldn't really call it. Maybe a little more east side than west side, but kind of in the middle. Right, kind of in the middle, north of the so-called North End. Yeah. Uh, but still about two and a half miles from the eight-mile Detroit border uh, with the northern suburbs. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting vibe. Um, my wife and I went down there for uh, a whole day uh, tromping around. Um, I had a number of places I wanted to check out, and I had been to Hamtramck many times um, and gone down there to eat and – done other things. But I hadn't really explored in the sense of making – looking at some things that I had never seen there. And uh, it was interesting. It really was. Um, one Did of the, you go to the History Museum? Um, the, the Historical Society Museum was not open, unfortunately. Uh, okay. It was during the week. I don't know if they only opened for the weekend. Um, it's right on Joseph Campo, which is one of the two main streets, but probably the main commercial drag. And um, But right next door to it is the Polish Art Center. Oh. And that place is fabulous. It's is a, it? Yeah. It's okay, not, I didn't go it's, in there. It's not a museum per se. It's a right. store. You know, it's uh-huh. a store. But it's a store with wonderful quality stuff. And it's been in the same family for years and years and years. And uh, I talked to the owner. Um, he, uh, his kids, his grown children all work there. And they've opened a second one up near Traverse City in the little town of Cedar. Oh. Yeah. And uh, at, at kind of at the base of the Lelanau Peninsula. And yeah, it has all is. of the yeah. same kind near of Leland. things. And yeah. th- these are not just souvenir tchotchkes. These are lovely, uh, handcrafted Polish works of art. And they've got everything from books. They have music. And they have lots and lots of pottery, jewelry, amber. I never realized that um, that Poland is one of the chief amber-producing uh, areas in the whole world. Oh. And so they have a long, rich tradition of making beautiful really? amber jewelry. No, I didn't realize that either. Yeah, so they had a, a big collection of that. The stuff is great. It's pricey because this isn't just, you know, uh, little souvenir. Little souvenir things. These are these are really lovely this handcrafted. Is the good stuff. Yeah, this is the good stuff. Um beautiful, brightly colored, you know, using the uh like traditional Polish patterns. Um very Eastern European looking things. And uh, uh, just a, a great collection, uh, carved wood. We got we we got my little granddaughter. Uh, she's starting to lose her teeth, her baby teeth, and so we got her a uh, little wooden box with a carved tooth on the top. Oh my goodness! <laughs> for her to put in for the tooth, uh, tooth fairy to come and get. So um, yeah, we we had a nice time there, and I had a, a nice time talking to the gentleman, and he also gave me a lot of pointers about the city. Uh, he lives down the street on Jacob Street um, and told me a, a lot about the neighborhood. It's kind of great when 
somebody that has, you know, lives in a place and has a business there as an entrepreneur and has done that his whole life and actually still lives in the community, yeah. you know. So yeah. you had a real sense of that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in my mind, Hamtramck is Polish mm-hmm. food, mostly, <laughs> <laughs> because I love that Polish village restaurant where you right. walk down the stairs and you get the pierogies and the kibasa. Yeah. You know, I kind of remember going with my grandparents, and I mean, that food is, as far as I'm concerned, some of the best food on earth. Um, yeah, it, it is true comfort food. It, it really abs- absolutely is. is. Yeah, and you know, I, it also for um, Punchki Day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the the bakeries, the bakeries, and, the uh, the old world torts that they make. Oh, you know, yeah. just fabulous. I mean, Hamtramck is just very closely intertwined with food for mm-hmm. me. And um, my husband and I also went down for the day a couple weekends ago. Um, we did go on Sunday. So the Historical Museum was open, and it's mm-hmm. right next to that yeah. that Polish uh, gift center. But I didn't go in there. We went to the museum. And that's very interesting. It's not a huge museum, um, but it's got some... Really nice little displays. It and looks like they had a lot of archives. They had uh, newspaper clippings and right. things in the, uh, yeah. the window. And, and yeah. it's kind of like a little trip down what it was like to live in Hamtramck mm-hmm. through the decades. Um, right. it's, it's very nice. It's very cute. Uh, and we probably should talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, Hamtramck uh, kind of began in the early 1900s. By Polish immigrants who moved into the area. That's right. That when it was really incorporated as a city, it was actually named. It started out as Hamtramck Township, and it was one of the Wayne County major townships. But it was pretty undeveloped, and like most things, it was uh, farmers that lived there. But they weren't Polish then; they were German, pretty much. Yeah. And um, so it was actually named not for someone polish because it's it's a, a strange name with a strange spelling it is um you know ending in mck yeah. <laughs> hamtramck i know every time and, i go to uh, type it I yeah so um it's actually named for a person like so many things around here are and it was a french canadian soldier uh commander um named we have a lot of french jean francois yeah hamtramck and he actually uh, was Canadian, but he came down and then he fought with the uh, – he fought in the um, the French and Indian Wars and uh, and in the um, uh, – the, the, he was important in the settling of the area because he fought under Louis Cass, who we've talked about many times. And he was the hero of the bad, Battle of Fallen Timbers, which I think was maybe in um, either Illinois or Indiana. I can't remember my history. But uh, in any event, he was rewarded by, you know, being given this name. And um, so, yeah, it, it developed from there. But the, the, the association with the Polish, of course, was with the advent of the automobile industry. Oh, because in so much of our yeah, in, in the early part of that. the 20th century, yeah. um, you know, these, these industrialists, innovators, 
began developing the car industry and, of course, it caught on tremendously in building factories. And they needed people to work in those factories. And one of them was placed, and of course, at the time, it must have been almost out in the country, uh, was the um, Dodge Main plant. Right. And that was built in Hamtramck in 1910. They needed people to work there. And, of course, nearby you had the Packard plant. You, of course, had the Ford plant in Highland Park, which is adjacent community. And um, it was a time of tremendous upheaval in in Poland and in Eastern Europe. So a lot of people were clamoring to to leave for the promised land, you know, the new world. And um, they settled in Detroit. And so worked at the factory. Yeah, worked at the factory. And so because they clustered together, I mean you're gonna go where you're comfortable and you can speak the language with other people. And uh they also had, you know, very strong ties to the Polish Catholic Church. And the Archdiocese of Detroit realized the need for this, and so they they commissioned, I mean they they um built a a major church there, St. Florian. Did you go inside the church when you were down we, there? We did. So did we. Yes. And it what is an amazing It's magnificent. Thing. It really is. It, the the church was closed when we were there and we thought, oh nuts. But we we walked around and everything and just were just gobsmacked at how pretty it is and how beautiful. European how it looks. How very European. It's I mean like it's right Dame, it's yeah. right in a neighborhood, you know? Right. It's got houses all around all it around and everything. It. But here it is just rising up like this this, this wonderful cathedral. Gothic. Yeah. yeah. And um and so beautifully maintained. Oh, unbelievably yeah. beautiful did flowers you get all around. Well we did because there was a lady um attending the garden um oh. at next door at the rectory. And she obviously was a Polish immigrant herself because her English was a little shaky and she was nodding and smiling. Yeah. And she said, church is closed. Uh, but – and she was sort of pointing. So we went over and there was someone coming out of the rectory, perhaps a maintenance person, uh, curate something. And um, they – and there was another couple that had been eating down at the Polonia restaurant and uh, had strolled over. And he opened the side door for us. Oh, that was And then nice. ushered us in and then turned on all the altar lights, you oh know, for us to, to really get a good look and just let us oh, wander nice. around, you know. So, um, yeah, we spent about, you know, close to an hour there. Oh, did you? We, you know, we went down on a Sunday. So <laughs> church service was actually going on when we stopped by the church and – you know, I'm kind of a little gutsy, so I just kind of opened the front door, and the service was going on, and so, you know, we kind of walked in and sat in the back row, and it is so amazing. Was the was it a um, uh, an English mass or was it a Polish mass? Because they have both. Um, you know, it was. We didn't stay that long. It was kind of some chanting. I can't remember if it was in English or Polish. I wasn't really paying attention. It was just a magical feeling, though, to yeah. be in there. I mean, talk about beautifully maintained. It um, really is. Yeah. You know, and that was not my first time in the church. Um, probably ten years ago or so, I attended a wedding there, and I remember, and it was a a girl I worked with, and she's Polish, and she had her ceremony there, and I. 
I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, this is a true sound of music wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just, it, I mean, what a, what a gorgeous place. Right. It really is. Um, it's beautifully ornamented, but you know what? All it's that not, gold. but it's not really overdone. I no. mean, all the stuff is it's, real quality. You know, it's and, not like they threw in everything. Pretty. But, yeah. It's not gaudy at all. It's not. It's not. It's, uh, the colors are subdued, soaring ceiling with the, uh, classic neo, neo gothic vaults, vaulted ceiling. Oh. Um, Huge. And then beautiful so side altars. My my wife uh, grew up Catholic, and uh, her mother is uh, is very elderly and in really bad shape. So uh, she lit a candle to her mother's Aww. favorite saint, St. Anthony, at the side altar. And very we nice. spent some time there. They've got uh, all kinds of literature there about the church and about all the things going on in the community through yeah. the church. And all of it is written in both English and Polish. So there certainly is the old, you know, Polish immigrant connection there. Absolutely. Clearly. Uh, and in fact, the Stations of the Cross, as you walk around, there are these beautifully done uh, kind of relief um, mural things that are framed. The, um, they're all in Polish. Yeah. You know? So uh, I, I, we we just were just— really struck at how how lovely that was. Oh, it's so beautiful. It was built in 1909. Um and well the original church was. The original and church then they was... outgrew that and and uh so they had a huge fund drive uh, fundraising drive and uh amassed a For good a deal lar- of money. Oh, right, the and they church. they hired um um a master uh church builder of the time um named um, is that Ralph Adams Cram? Cram, C R A M, and he was out of the Boston area, and he really is the person that uh, is uh, the, the person that really brought the whole neo gothic uh, church building thing back to uh, to America, uh, because the churches before that had been more Romanesque and very different. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he did some other major works. Probably the most important one and an earlier one in Detroit was the uh, Cathedral Church of St. Paul, which is just south of the DIA. It's the big Episcopal oh, church. Yeah, we have some beautiful churches in yeah. Detroit that and could be a, you know, upcoming podcast It really topic. probably It probably should it be. probably should be. The St. Paul one, people may know because it's still unfinished in the sense that they never built the spire. You can uh-huh. see where the spire will go, but it's just kind of flattened off. But even without it, it's the fourth largest Gothic church in in the United States. So, you know, wow. it's a pretty good size. Yeah. And he also did the very famous uh, St. John the Divine uh, Church in, um, in Manhattan. In Manhattan. So, yeah, the, the major Episcopal church. Well, yeah, I guess he won the American Architect Award in 1929. I mean, once again, this is a Roaring Twenties story. Yeah. Uh, you know, the church uh, is eight-story high, nearly 200 feet above street level. Right. They made sure that it was higher than any of the uh, industrial smokestacks of the Dodge plant. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Show where their priorities are. And so it is the tallest structure in uh, in in that whole area in Hamtramck. The outside is is just beautiful, but 
if anyone is going to see it, try and get inside because as beautiful as the outside is, right. the inside will blow you away. Yes. Just just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so that was that, you know, the St. Florian's was was wonderful. And there's other churches too. And uh there's St. St. Ladislas and uh other, you know, kind of Polish saints. St. Florian, by the way, was adopted as the patron saint of Poland. He was uh, originally the patron saint of Austria, which was his homeland. He was like a th- uh, fourth century martyred uh, saint who um, had, you know, d- when the Romans were trying to quash uh, Christianity, he refused to comply. And so they were going to, um, they were going to burn him and he said, fine, throw me on the funeral pyre. And so they said, no, no, uh, <laughs> we're not going to give you what you want. And so instead they drowned him. That's the legend. Oh, that's in any, the story. In any event, uh, his relics, um, you know, parts of him eventually wound up in Krakow, Poland. So he's very much associated as the uh, the patron saint of Poland. He's also the patron, patron saint of firefighters. And the Florian cross, which is like a Maltese cross, but it has kind of rounded edges on the four corners. You will see that as an emblem on all the fire departments throughout the country. Interesting. It's the Florian cross. And in fact, they have a major memorial mass once a year at St. Florian's for firefighters. For firefighters. Yeah, yeah. You know – um, uh, Hamtramck calls itself the most diverse city in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a place where traditionally a lot of new immigrants have settled. Yeah, right. And, and that continues to this day. It continues. It's just that the uh, the nationalities have changed. Yes. The languages have changed. But the sentiment of being a welcoming place for immigrants is the same. Yeah. And, you know, walking around, you... You kind of feel that that community feeling. Yeah, you know, you do. people are sitting outside, and you know, it's not fancy. It's just, it's mm-hmm. just normal right. people. Uh, today, I think um, Hamtramck is made up mostly of Bangladeshi, Yemeni, right. Southeastern Europe, right? Immigrants. Yeah, in 1970, it was 90% Polish. And in 2010, it was 14% Polish. Uh, the largest group is the, uh, I, I believe, the Bangladeshi, um, you know, South Asian. And uh, that's, they have centered in kind of the northern area um, between Carpenter, south of Davison. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, Bangladeshi grocery stores. Um, Yvonne and I actually ate lunch at a, a, a Bangladeshi buffet. It was very oh, good. Yeah. At a place called Bonifal. Oh. Uh, kind of a little hole in the wall, but it had interesting little private tables, uh, that were, had sort of canopies over them and everything. Yeah. It was fun. Um, I think you could probably find the most diverse array of, you know, international food. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, Anywhere and also, in the city, in Hamtramck. There's also a lot of Eastern European. Uh, there's Serbia, Bosnian um, and uh, Serbian food. And then also on the uh, the largest Middle Eastern population, which is clustered a little bit more on the south side, is from Yemen. 
And so there's uh, all kind of uh, Yemeni restaurants. Right. And uh, um, they're because uh, the the majority religion now probably is Islamic. Uh, there are a number of mosques. In fact, uh, this was controversial, but um, the call they called to prayer, the Adnan. Um, and, you know, they, they went back and forth about it, but um, it exists now. So, you know, that that is broadcast on loudspeakers, and I think people are pretty much used to it. Well, when my husband and I went down, you know, I said, well, let's have lunch at the Polish village. That's my, you know, I just love the food there. <laughs> I love pierogies and kielbasa, like I've said many times. But he suggested um, a place that he had read about, I think, in the free press. And um, it's on Kniff. It's called the Balkan House. Oh, okay. And they uh, are quite renowned for their donor kebab. Which is kind of like a Euro sandwich and, um, but bigger and, uh, the same, you know, kind of wrapped sandwich, um, with a combination of beef and lamb, shaved beef and lamb and vegetables and a sauce. And so we went there. It's on Kniff Street. And once again, it's a little hole in the wall, mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. although it was a little bigger than I expected it to be. And we ordered both the donor kebab. And I have to say, the moment I bit into this, I thought, this is one of the best things I've ever eaten. Really? It is it like the real so thin sliced meat, like the uh, the yeah. Like gyros? the gyro. Yeah. yeah. It is that thin sliced meat, but a lot of cucumbers, the sauce. Wow. But the standout <clears throat> was the bread. Oh. The bread was so fresh and so crisp and it was like my favorite kind of bread that is like has big holes in it you yeah. know from the air pockets and right. kind of crispy on the outside this bread was fantastic but the flavors of this donor kebab were just a taste sensation. Now, by the time I got down to the bottom of it, and it was big, <laughs> the bread was a little soggy because I think they start with the sauce down at the bottom. So, you know, I was kind of losing the great, the great crispness of the bread. But by then I was stuffed anyway. <laughs> um, but I was talking to one of my sons about uh, this donor kebab, and he said, this is a huge thing in Europe. And... Um, we talked a little bit to the people at the restaurant and they came from Berlin. I mean, they're from, uh, the Middle East, but they had the don't, had a donor kebab stand, I think, in Berlin. It's huge. Mm. It's all over. In fact, when we were in England, my son Reed said there was a donor kebab place next to where we were staying, which You're I don't kidding. remember at all. No. Well, I'm definitely putting this on my list. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ed, I really, I took one bite of it and I thought, I cannot believe how good this tastes. (laughs) Now, they do – I think they have the sauce in spicy and mild. And I think if you don't specify, they're going to give you spicy. So like I said, halfway through, my mouth was starting to burn. It was really spicy. I think Mm -hmm. next time I might specify mild. Yeah. Although that flavor was so – I'd be really disappointed if it didn't taste as good. Or ask maybe for a little on the side. Yeah, maybe a little on the side. But I would highly recommend – Okay. Is it near the Planet Ant um, Theater? Because that's connected. It's on 
Kniff. Uh, it's not far from. What's the main street? Is the main street uh, the well? Joseph the north Campo. south is Joseph Campo, Joseph. and then Conant on the. Yeah, uh, I think the it's pretty close to Conant. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, just. Google it. It's a Balkan house on Kanef. Well, that's great. And definitely get the donor kebab. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, so, yeah. The uh, There were a couple other – speaking of the planted ant, this is yeah. a wonderful little – it's a little Culture. black box theater I've on I've never Kanef. been there. I've always wanted to go. I did. I went years ago for like a stand-up thing. They, they have stand-up comedians. They oh. have original productions. It – is truly a uh, an important part of the whole uh, kind of metropolitan alternative, um, you hipster. know, hipster <laughs> dramatic scene. Yeah. You know, but it's also just kind of fun, and it's it's a tiny little place. Uh, and for larger productions, they have a uh, a thing across the street um, that they call the um, oh, what is it. The ant, something else. Uh, the oh, I don't know. Anyway, the oh, ant hall. Because <laughs> I remember thinking it was like toad hall, but uh, ant hall is across the street, and they also have adjacent to that uh, a really kind of hip bar called the Ghost Light. And when I say hip, I mean you know it's working, young people. It, it's young people, but it's also kind of working class. It's yeah. not pretentious or anything. And I, I don't think anything in Hamtramck is really pretentious. I don't think so either. You know, I mean, one of the things that they, during the, the 80s and 90s, became really known for was their punk rock scene. Right. You know? I mean, they really pioneered that. And, uh, you know, this great place called Lily's, which is right. now, Lily is either passed on or sold it, but uh, it's now the Painted Lady. But it's this kind of little dumpy looking place, but with great music, all of the dive bars. And at one time, there were over 400 in Hamtramck. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, there aren't even 400 streets. So anyway, the uh, they had uh, uh, this – they would have music regularly and most of these places do have bands that come in and play. So it's it's still a very hip place to go and, and hear really original music for cheap. Um Another really fun thing we did, and I had seen this on the PBS show Under the Radar, uh-huh. you know, that highlights interesting places and communities, was a thing called foaling. Have you ever heard of foaling? It it's have, spelled F O W L I N G. Is it not like, fouling, but foaling? Kind of like bowling, but with a football or something. Yes. It's you know across, where I saw yeah. this on? The Amazing Race. They yes. came to Detroit they, and they did they, that. That's where they went. Yeah. They had just left, right. yeah, and um, so the that was the, like their finale, wasn't it? It kind of one yeah. of the last ones at the very was end, yeah. So uh, foaling, it's it's not like it's easy to find. You almost have to know it's there, but uh, they do a huge business. It's it's this old repurposed warehouse. And, you know, we have so many of those kind of hulking yeah. structures in our post-industrial world. Yes. And fortunately, they found a great use for it without having to tear it down or have it just become an eyesore. And so in this huge space, they've got these giant wire cages and they have – it's like a bowling alley. But the the teams stand on either side, either end of it. 
and they tur- take turns heaving a football at these pins <laughs> no, to try to knock them pin. down. And the object is to get all your pins down. You don't score it the same way because it's it's not easy to do, you no. know. And uh, so, and you can do it underhanded. You can do it anyway. sideways. Anything. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it'd be a fun family thing. It, it is, and it's also the um, it's the official bar. Uh, because they've got a huge bar there too. I mean, bowling alley bar, and uh, with all kinds of craft beers and everything from all over Michigan, everywhere. And if they, I think they even make their own beer. So uh, it's the official bar of the uh, Detroit Football Club, the soccer team that plays just down the street at Keyworth Stadium, Fine. and uh, they have this whole uh, kind of rowdy. Um, pep squad called um, the uh, what are they the northern um, the northern guard and uh, who come in and they're the ones that uh, they they do like uh, colored smoke bombs and things during the games yeah. and stuff I mean they have a rowdy wonderful time and are great supporters so they come in and fill up the place you know during the whole season. So yeah, we had a long talk with the uh, the manager Todd and uh, and his assistant Nathan. Um, they were really interesting. They talked about the whole concept of getting that up and running. There's been some people that have kind of ripped them off. The main one out in uh, Rochester Hills, where or Auburn Hills near where we are, is the hub, right? Uh, which they built on. I mean, it's basically the same concept, although they they added axe throwing, but. Uh, what could go wrong there, yeah, right? Really. Uh, but but yeah, the original is here. Um, people have a really good time, and they're doing very very good business. And it's a wonderful repurposing, you know, of an old oh yeah, what instru- a great idea. industrial yeah site and so, just kind of fun. And it it just sounds like it's not horribly hard. Anyone could do it, right. and yeah, it'd be a fun family activity. Right. Yeah, it sounds great. We also had to drive by the uh, the Kowalski fa- factory. Any Detroiters know about Kowalski products? Meat, hot dogs, and kielbasa. And kielbasa. Ooh, yeah, my favorite. Yes, and uh, on the side of you know on the side of the Kowalski, um, Kowalski factory, which is uh, on Holbrook down near seventy five, is this huge, wonderful mural. In kind of an op-ed, black and white, and I should say, and and you know, we've talked about this in all over the city. It's got Everywhere. wonderful art. Yeah. Every place in Hamtramck, and every where they have beautiful. you know a building that yeah. has a just a, a big open space, somebody has done this wonderful mural on it. And usually a really good artist too. It's not like yeah, you know, some no, sort of this isn't graffiti. No, this is really nice stuff. Oh, yeah. um, and um, a lot of it. Now, because of the changing population, has maybe an Islamic theme, you know, with uh, women, beautiful women wearing hijabs, you know, and uh, uh, some very nice artistic competition, uh, you know, compositions. A very so, international feel. Yeah. To so it's very bright. You yeah. know, this old working class town is full of pops of color, which yeah. is fun. Which is great. Sure. Another thing I, I just want to get in, um, Jack White, who has done so many things, you know, right. to in, yeah. in, uh, in supporting stripes. Detroit, the yeah. White Stripes. Um, the uh, 
near the Keyworth Stadium is the Hamtramck Stadium, and it was in total disrepair, but it was the site of where the the great Negro League, the Detroit Stars. Oh, and there was played. a lot of information about that in the museum. Yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. Uh, for eleven years, this was a a really big deal, and uh, the Stars. You know, when they when the Tigers have their uh, their kind of retro days. Um, they will actually wear the Detroit Stars uniform, and people have noticed that. Well, this is where they played. Uh, well, it fell into disrepair, and Jack White wanted to do something about that. So he has mounted this huge campaign, and they just had a big uh, kind of fundraising uh, game uh, to to uh, bring back the stadium. And so far, they've put in all new grass. The next thing he's going to do is work on the stadium itself. And they actually had the uh, daughters, who are middle-aged now, of the uh, the great star of the uh, of the Detroit Stars, um, who was named Turkey Stearns. <laughs> he was a center fielder, and he's Turkey. in he's in Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. And uh, so they were there singing and everything, and kind of kicking oh, off the fun. festivities. So yeah, that was really nice to see. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, right, great. Well, I think we're coming to the end here. Um, you know, uh, I think for our next podcast, we're hoping to do a uh, um, downtown living mm-hmm. theme. I know Ed has some plans to go on the downtown living tour, tour that is upcoming. Yeah. It's going to visit a lot uh, of the new. I think that's going to be very interesting. The new uh, premiere. There's so much happening are, yeah. in the city. So, um, yeah, I think we're we're all wrapped up here. Thank you for joining us on our another journey into Detroit's past, present, and future. Um, once again, I'd like to give a shout out to Tim Brohard for our great music and Katie Bates for our beautiful logo. And we invite you all to explore the Comeback City. Sounds good. <laughs>